June 21st is next week. That's Dad's Day. And uh, what's important about Father's Day in this particular year is that uh, not only are you, you celebrating dads, but we're coming together as with a welcome back service here at Cool Spring. Normally, we have three services on Sunday morning. On this particular day, we have one service. Uh, it is by RSVP. And there are also some, some restrictions and protocols on that day in the service back here live on campus. I would encourage you to check your email uh, from Cool Spring this weekend and first part of the week. Also check out uh, coolspring.org and click on the information about the welcome back service. And the important part is, if you're planning to attend uh, at 10 o'clock on June 21st, you need to RSVP. We have limited seating that day and space, and so we want to make sure that we provide safely and appropriately for everyone that wants to participate. So be sure and check coolspring.org and check out the welcome back service information. Also, I want to draw your attention to what you've probably been aware of and what you've noticed. Um, obviously, COVID has, has created an, an anxiety. It's created a challenge for us culturally and economically and relationally as we social distance, as we've isolated. But not only in the midst of COVID and this pandemic, which is, 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 is an incredible experience for us, we've also watched the images of George Floyd in Minneapolis and, and the outfall and the outcry that has happened from that incident, not just here in America, but also across the globe. It's a worthy conversation about justice and equity and equality and, and in a sense, tolerance for people that are different than perhaps you are. And so what I would like for you to do and what I'm challenging myself to do in these days is to enter into this conversation with a posture to listen. In other words, to hear the voices, to hear the pain, to hear the past, to hear the experiences, to better understand people and where they're coming from. Scripture tells us specifically to be, to be slow to speak, but be quick to listen. And so I would challenge you during this conversation, during this period of, of peaceful protest, as, as you hear voices speak, speak predominantly and loudly through culture today, that, that you would listen and place yourself in a posture to hear what it is that people are saying. And then as you're listening, ask God to give you a spirit of discernment, to know how it is that you're to respond and how you're to act and how you're to relate to people around you. It's an important conversation. It's one that we need to get right. We've been at this moment in many times in the generations, but now is the day in which we approach this conversation about equity, about equality, about justice, and deal with the issues that are deep-seated about racism and how we treat one another in culture today. And so may God get the glory through this conversation, and may we see a difference made in this generation today. As I begin the conversation, the talk today, I want to have a word of prayer with you and just ask God to bless the conversation. And as we talk for a few minutes about what it means to be people of action, so would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for James and I thank you for the stories that he's presented in, in this letter and in this book that, that speak to us about what it means to live out action of faith. And so I pray that you would help us understand what it means to live a working faith, what it means to live an active faith, not for our benefit, Lord, but for your glory. Jesus, we, we love you. Holy Spirit, speak to us as we read and as we open ourselves and surrender ourselves to you and your leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's some things I, I enjoy about the book of James. 
And one of the things that I enjoy about the book is that it is a book, it is a letter about action. It speaks to the importance of action. It speaks the importance about movement in the believer's life. Now, one of the things that I know about regrets in life, and you've probably had a few regrets, I've had a few regrets, I'm sure I'll experience some more just as most likely you will experience some more too. But when I think about regrets, most of the regrets, in fact, let's just say many of the regrets that people experience in life are the result of inaction. It's the result of not taking an action. So think about this that you experience regret because you do not take a step or you do not take action in your life. Now, now think about this for a moment. You've probably thought about these statements before. Maybe you've even said these things before to yourself. For example, if we think about looking back and wondering if we would do something different, have you ever thought about this? And maybe, maybe better yet, just fill in the blank for a moment. How would you fill in the blank on this? I wish I would have taken the time to do blank. Or, I wish I would have spent more time learning about blank. Or, I wish I would have done blank. Do you get to what I'm thinking about? Every one of those regrets is an action that was never lived. It was an action that was never taken. Now, when I think about James and I think about what he's written, there's so much about this action that, that runs through, it's a theme that runs through the entire book. For example, when you start out, he talks about going through trials the, the, the phrase that he uses is, count it all joy when you experience trials of various kinds. That's how he starts out the letter. And what's interesting about that is the idea is, when you talk about counting it all joy, the, the concept is to, to think of it as, gosh, this is such a great learning experience. This is such a great opportunity. The idea would be that understanding and recognizing the trial that you're experiencing is an opportunity for you to grow. It's an opportunity for you to live out faith and to have your faith, in other words, matured, to have your faith stretched, to have your faith grow. So when I think about how, how James starts that out, for me, it's, it's like we know that, that opportunities, every trial is an opportunity for growth. So the idea is then grow. Don't look at it as something unfortunate. Don't look at it as something bad. Don't look at it as something that, that, that the world has fallen and caved in. The, the idea is to look at this trial as an opportunity to grow. See, I think about where we are today and what we're experiencing today. These are trials. But these are trials that will cause us to grow. They're trials that will cause us to stretch. They're trials that will cause us to increase. So let's grow. Let's not look at it as a trial that, that only just beats us down, but look at it as a, as a trial that is this growth opportunity for us. But also, what James says in, in chapter 1, he talks, about, he talks about this law of liberty and perseveres, but he also talks about being doers of the Word. 
this idea of being a doer of what you hear, that there is blessing. Now, what's interesting in this, in verse 25, it says, there's blessing in doing. So the idea is, if the hearing of the word requires a response, then then respond. If, if it requires you to do something, then do something. If you know Scripture speaks about a particular habit, a particular issue, a particular call, a particular mission, if it calls you to do this, then do it. The idea is not just to sit and look at it and think about it and wonder about it. If God calls you to do it, if God's Word speaks to you about doing it, then do it. The idea is, is if the Word requires a response, then respond. Something else James in chapter 2 talks about is he talks about this loving your neighbor and, and the, the importance of, of loving your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you know, you're doing this if you do this well. If you're doing this, you're doing it well. The encouragement that James gives us is to love our neighbors. <laughs> now think about this. This is a book of action. When he says to love your neighbors as yourself, the idea is that you just don't think about it. You just don't think, well, that's a great idea, and that's such a great saying, and it looks pretty on a wall covering, or it looks pretty embroidered on a piece of cloth. But if we're called to love our neighbors, let's love them. Let's not just think about it. Not, let's just process it. Not just like, like kind, of, kind of think it's a great idea, but let's do it. Let's do something about it. See, it's this call to action. That when you experience trials, realize that God is stretching you and that you'll grow through this trial. So the idea is, is to grow. If God's Word is speaking to you about a particular belief or habit or action or, 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 or idea or, or process that you need to engage in, then, then do it. Respond. God's Word says to love your neighbor. <laughs> love them. But then there's even, I mean, as you continue to read through, there's so many examples of, of action. Another one that, that catches my, my mind, but in James 4, at the end of, in, near, near the, oh, it's midway in the chapter, he talks about this friendship with the world as enmity with God. What he's trying to get at is that you need to be friends with him. That while the world is here and you're living here in the world and, and while the world pulls at you and it's, it's temptations and it's challenges and, and it's, it's lust and everything else that's out there, all the stuff that, that begins to pull you away, Jesus says, don't, don't be friends with that. But be friends with him. And what he does, what he does in that part of the chapter is he talks about some action words about engaging the relationship. Listen, friendship with God is about a relationship, and if it's about a relationship, let's engage the relationship. Think about this. Through verse 4 through 10 of James 4 and verse 7, he talks about submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Verse 8, draw near to God. Cleanse yourself. Purify yourself. Humble yourself. The whole idea is action. It's movement forward. That's what the book talks about. James is full of examples of action. But here's the key. The action is always related to faith. It's about the spirit that lives in you, that you yield to and listen to. It's about God's leading and stirring and moving. 
It is about this response to his leading. So the idea is this action that comes out of faith. So here's what I want you to get. Being a Christian, being a Jesus follower, isn't simply a set of belief notes. It's not just simply a set of, I believe this, and then there's no life change. See, I firmly believe that when someone is born again, when someone comes to know Christ, there is a change, a transformation that takes place in their life. Scripture speaks to that transformation. What James is getting at is that you should have a faith that works. In other words, you should have a working faith. Now, that's important to realize that it's about a faith that works. Now, I want you to read a passage to you in, in, in here in, in James chapter 2. I want to go back to chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. Now, I want to show this to you because I want you to see what, what James says. He says, what good is it, brothers, if, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, now think about this, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, now listen, is dead. Do you catch the illustration here? The illustration that James is using is he's talking about seeing someone in need. And you know they have a need, but you simply say, hey, I hope you get better. I hope things are better. And, and you simply walk on by. The idea is, is that you recognize something needed to be done and that there was a need, but you chose not to act upon the need. You chose not to deliberately, you chose not to act out. See, <laughs> what he's saying is, is this faith, you have faith, but you don't live this faith, that there's no work in this faith, there's no living out of this faith. He said the faith is dead. Do you know what? We don't need people with dead faith. We need people with faith that's alive. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need people with faith that think about, well, maybe I should do this, or maybe I should do that, or maybe one day I'll do this, or I'll get to there. Or something. No, we need people of faith in action. That's what we need today. When I think about this age and this moment and this time in our culture and our community and where we live in Virginia, in Mechanicsville, in Hanover, as a suburb of Richmond, and I think about all that is going on, not only the health issues and COVID and the challenges to our cultural structures, but I think also about the relationship of people of color and differences that relate to each other and relate poorly to one another and somehow need to connect and somehow need to move forward. Do you realize that the church, the people of faith, can be people of action and make a difference? 
We can do that. I want you to recognize something. That politics, society, culture aren't going to fix what needs to be fixed. The only answer is Jesus Christ. The only answer is following him and surrendering to him and living a faith that works, a working faith, a faith of action. See, what James tells us about action, what we learn about action, first first and foremost, that there's an imperative to act. When, when, When James talks about an active faith, he's talking about it from this imperative. It is a must. It has to happen. It's an order. That for the person of faith, there's this imperative for action, that there's this call to action. Think about what James says later in verse two, in chapter 2, verse 25. He says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, I want you to think about that. Listen to that. A person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, some of you are thinking that James is contradicting Paul but he's not. What he is doing is giving definition to faith. Where he says literally this idea that that someone is justified by a working faith, by a faith that works, by a faith that is action-oriented. It's not that you're justified by works alone, but he's talking about a working faith. It's imperative to act. Second thing that I learned about action from James that meaningful and thoughtful action follows belief. That in other words, meaningful and thoughtful action follow belief. As I believe, I so act. As I believe, I so live out. As I know, I so do. So this idea is what you believe, you act out. So meaningful, thoughtful action always follows belief. Third thing that I think is important about that action, that failure to act has its consequences. That failure to act has its consequences. In James chapter 4, verse 17, and and what James is referencing is this idea of forgetting God in the process of doing life. He makes this statement, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. It's important not only to know the right thing to do, but it's important to do the right thing. We must be people of action. So I'm going to ask you two questions. First, what do you believe? What do you know? What is it that God's teaching you? What is it that you're learning? Where is it that God is speaking to you? How is it that he's leading? What is the thing that you're struggling with, in a sense, and that you're learning about? Now think about it. Just write a few down. And then, number two, what action do you need to take? What action do you need to take? How do you need to act on this leading, this prompting, this word, this calling? What is it that you need to do to act out what God has been talking to you about? I want to encourage you. Don't just be people of faith, but be people with a working faith. 
Don't just be people that that say they have faith, but there's no demonstration of faith. Don't be somebody that doesn't have a living faith. This idea is that as Paul speaks, as, as James speaks about, here specifically he's talking about having this working faith. We need to have this faith that works. We need to have this faith that lives. We need to have this faith that takes action. And by being people of faith, of working faith, of action, you can make a difference right where you are. Listen to where God's leading. Here's what he's saying. And do it. Don't spend your days thinking about it, wondering. One day, this day, hopefully in the future. If God's put it on your heart, and God's given you the desire, and he's given you the opportunity, do it. Don't just sit there. Do it. Action. Have this working faith that makes a difference right where you are. In that, you know the blessing of God. In that, you experience the moving of God. I want that for you today. Would you pray with me? Father, God, I thank you for James, and I thank you for the challenge to to live an active faith, to live this working faith, and, and to recognize that literally that, that entire book, that entire letter is written such a way to spur us to action. Lord, may we not be a people that sit back, but may we be a people that get on the field. Help me and help those that are listening, Lord, to be believers with a working faith, for a faith that is alive, for your glory and for the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.